When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Homestand Leafs. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Pooney. On today's show, the Leafs lose to Detroit, and hashtag Fire Keith is alive and well. So, should the Leafs get rid of Sheldon Keith? Will a new coach actually change anything in Toronto? And why the Leafs missing the playoffs is a real possibility. We'll talk about it all. I'm Albert Vartanian, he's Justin Pooney, and this is Homestand Leafs. And we're back, Justin Pooney. Listen, I was hoping to start the week off with a nice positive episode. But if you go on X, Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> TikTok, maybe Reddit, any forum that has to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs, it is scorched earth today. It is meltdown mode because another blown lead, a.k.a. I'm going to call them the blown Leafs, Justin Pooney. They lost again to the Detroit Red Wings. That's three losses in a row. Uh, they lost on Saturday night to Colorado after having a 3-0 lead. They had one of the true Stanley Cup contenders, Justin Pooney, in a chokehold. They couldn't get it done because Nathan McKinnon and the boys uh, decided, hey, listen, we're Colorado. We're better than you. And because you lack killer instinct, which you want to get to, we can beat you. And then obviously last night in Detroit, uh, maybe one positive is Ilya Samsonov, which we'll get to. Well, let's start with the Toronto mm. Maple Leafs and their lack of killer instinct, something that you really want to touch on because mm. – be fair, since I've known you, this is one thing you've hollered about, and I have to agree. Starting off on a positive note, because we are agreeing with each other on a All Monday right. morning. Back-to-back Mondays, where it is a bit of a negative sentiment around the Leafs, but there's no excuse for it. There should be a negative sentiment, because look, we saw it against the Islanders. We said uh, on Friday's pod, look, your competition's increasing right now, so your game has to increase as well. Your level of play has to rise. And against the Colorado Avalanche, it looked really good early on. And then what happened, Albert? The Colorado Avalanche showed up and then put an avalanche on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, last night as well, when you're going to the third period up against the Detroit team that played the night before as well, just like you, um, you have to figure it out deep down within you and find that killer instinct. What makes championship teams and good teams good? or great even, is the ability to stomp on your opponent and deliver a knockout blow. We saw that in the NFL playoffs this week where teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, the Houston Texans, all the teams that won were able to get up to a big lead and maintain that big lead and add on it. The Toronto Maple Leafs, for whatever reason, against good, solid competition are unable to take a lead build upon it and just crush their opponent's will. Now, some might say, well, they, you know, they, they get the fat cat syndrome, they get lazy, or, you know, they play more prevent style defense and they don't want to let any more goals in. Uh-uh. I believe I'm a big believer, Albert, that when you play well, you stick with it throughout the whole game. Even if you're up six, seven, nothing, you keep on pressing because you never know. And you never want to have that mentality to take that foot off the gas pedal because it is so hard to flip the switch. We've seen the Toronto Maple Leafs numerous times throughout this iteration of them where they try to just flip the switch and it doesn't work. 
Sheldon Keefe and this coaching staff and these players really need to understand this. To win important games, to win big games, you have to have the ability to finish your opponent off. And for whatever reason, Albert, mentally, psychologically, um, spiritually, whatever, the Toronto Maple Leafs have no killer instinct whatsoever. And for that, along with a multitude of other reasons, they will never be successful. Um, and these blown leads are just another point that this team is severely flawed. You know, it frustrates me, Justin. You know, mm -hmm. I was talking about this. We were both talking about this in November that this was bound to happen, that yeah. no chance they're going to make a deep run into the playoffs. Obviously, a lot can change. I don't want to go complete scorch earth. But what really concerns me it, from that Detroit Red Wings game is that they're coming off a game where their coach, Sheldon Keefe, which we'll get to, mm -hmm. decides to call it his team. Called out Nylander by name. Yeah. saying he wasn't good enough. But instead of demoting him, what does he do? He put him on the first line anyway. I So I was just expecting some sort of response. Mm -hmm. Like, let me show you, coach. Let me show you what, what we're made of. Don't be calling us out because we're better than that. And we didn't see that. And a lot of people are, are kind of creating the narrative of the Detroit Red Wings because they had some travel issues yesterday. They got to the arena 90 minutes before the game uh, that the Leafs had basically no excuse to lose that game. I would say one, maybe Samson off the net, but he ended up being pretty good. And the Detroit Red Wings had every excuse to lose. And it was flipped. It was just a game where the Toronto Maple Leafs should have won. And mm. they did. We just see, keep seeing this over and over and over again. And I think what's happened, not only to the Toronto Maple Leafs fan base, but even to the media as well, is that that little stretch they went on in California against LA, Anaheim, and San Jose twice kind of clouded our judgment in terms of what this team actually is. It's not that difficult to go to San Jose and play San Jose and put up points. William Nylander, five games since you signed your contract, three of those games with a goose egg. Does that have to do with him signing the contract? I don't know. Probably too early to call that. But mm -hmm. there's just a lot of these signs you're seeing for the Toronto Maple Leafs. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. And that's one thing the Leafs don't have. They're not tough. And I'm not talking about physically either. I'm talking about mentally. Like when yeah. you have a lead on a team like the Red Wings who lose one of their best players early on in Patrick Kane, who I believe has 14 points in 12 games, his last 12 games, mm -hmm. playing really well. The team is obviously out of rhythm, out of routine, because they, they got to the arena late, and you can't put them away. It's concerning with this Leaf team, but it's something that we've seen since Austin Matthews was drafted by this Leaf team. And I'm not just blaming him. I'm just saying over this seven, eight period time, it's been the same story over and over again. Okay, let's get to the second statement here. And this one you want to touch on. it. It's Keith throwing his lines in a blender and <laughs> yeah. benching players. Before I get your take on it, let's run the clip of Keith after the Red Wings game. He was asked, uh, what inspired these changes, these mm -hmm. wholesale changes of all four-year lines? And this is what he had to say. Well, just what inspired is just you're coming off those two games and the nature of the back-to-back -back, uh, here. I just, I just felt... It is a good time for some change. There's a couple things that I've been wanting to try for, for some time now, in particular getting Marner back with Domi. You know, since we since the one game we did that when, when Austin was sick, that went really well for us, and, and I've been wanting to go back to it, but it's just, you know, it was I just never felt the timing was quite right. So today, to me, that was it was good timing, and then just the nature of how our game went and some of our guys yesterday, uh, I felt it was it was good time to to uh, to change some things. See, a good time for change <laughs> that makes no sense to me, and I'll tell you why. You're on a back to back. The the team is obviously struggling since the Islanders game. They lose to the Avalanche back to back against Detroit, 
and you're putting an Ilya Samson off in net. And I understand it probably wasn't Keith's call because he mentioned he was asked about that. He goes, that decision goes beyond me. It's basically what he said. It's an organizational decision. And you thought changing up all four of your lines in front of that netminder who needs more protection than any goalie throughout the organization was a good time to make those changes? That makes no sense to me. And some of the, the players are getting demotion. Matthew Nice to the fourth line? Why? Did you not see TJ Brody against Colorado? Yeah. He shouldn't even be playing. He shouldn't have been playing last night for trying to send a message. The guys he sends the messages to, and at the weirdest times, I just thought a good time for change is very strange to me considering you're putting Samsonov in net. He's coming out, coming back from you know, two or three of the worst outings we've seen from a goalie in this organization in a very, very long time. And making these changes when you need the most protection in front of them is is, is baffling, honestly. Well, Albert, this is the one of the worst teams. Not one of the worst teams, but... They're, what, 18th, I believe, in regulation wins this year. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, quite frankly, if it wasn't for overtime and shootout, would be in a much worse position right now. It would be like DEFCON, like, two. Um, yeah, I mentioned, I think, in the last podcast, they would yeah. be completely out of a, a playoff spot. Exactly, exactly. And when I look at Sheldon Keefe and when I hear him speak, and look, on Friday, on oh, sorry, Saturday night, what did he do? He benched a whole lot of players, cut their ice time and stuff like that, obviously right. put the lines in the blender, putting Mitch Marner on the third line, as they're calling it, the GTA line, putting Matthew Nyes on the fourth line, elevating a guy in Pontus Holmberg who does deserve it. Um, the defense core, I get what you're saying about TJ Brody. Look, that defense core, you can't take him out of the lineup because you're still depleted there. They had to give Mark Giordano a day off because of rest, because he's 65 years old and can't play back-to-backs. Um, respect, respect, Gio. Come on. He's okay. Sorry, you, he's not, you only you have to hope at, at his age that you can still be performing at a, no, at absolutely. an NHL absolutely. level. But right. I'm holding him to a standard that he is an NHL player. That's um, fair. look, Sheldon Keefe, I believe, is in a position right now, and we'll touch on this later on in the pod too, where his job is on the hot seat, right? Um, this team needs to get going and they need to get going ASAP. Um, Yes, can they just slide into the third spot in the Atlantic Division? Probably, right? Could they fall to a wild card spot? Potentially. But the expectations, Albert, of this season, and we're seeing it kind of come to fruition where Brad Tree Living didn't do anything. He's kind of giving it a wait-and-see approach this year that we've both talked about for a long period of time. I think Sheldon Keefe is starting to feel the pressure. He's starting to see that the writing is starting to come on the wall, that if this thing doesn't turn around my job is uh, in serious jeopardy. And he's mm-hmm. starting to change things up and try to do drastic change to just shake up that dressing room. Um, I get the line mixing up and, the bl- and you know trying to find some new combinations. And I've kind of defended him before on that. But in this particular moment, I 100% agree with you. When you have a goalie like Ilya Samsonov, who, yes, you, you were forced to play him because they probably don't want to burn games on Hildeby and then burn a year of his ECL. You want to maximize your cost control of that guy. Um, but to put him in on a second game of a back-to-back after a disappointing finish, after blowing a big lead to Colorado, you want to play it, I wouldn't say safe, but you want to play the way that guys are comfortable with. Play them with their regular line mates. Play them in their regular routine. You had already a competitive advantage anyway because, like you mentioned, Detroit came 90 minutes before the, the puck drop, and they still performed better in the third period. The Toronto Maple Leafs right now need to – I don't know if it's a trade they need. I don't know if it's uh, 
if it's a lashing from Brendan Shanahan, I don't know if it's a firing, but a they lashing. need they need something to shake it up, man, because yeah. it's getting stale. You can tell guys are not in it all the time. You can see these big dips in play. Um, and Albert, I think Sheldon Keith, you talked about last night before uh, we were talking last night, um, kind of during the game, that Sheldon Keith could be gone by the All Star break or in and thereof. Now I think that's kind of crazy, but. The pressure and the heat is turning up on his ass right now where if he doesn't perform and this team doesn't turn around, he will be gone. And Craig Berube, I think, will be coming in. Okay, I know we kind of led in with the fire Keefe conversation, which we'll get into, but let's give our flowers mm -hmm. quickly to Ilya Samsonov. You cannot blame that loss on Ilya Samsonov, and that's a huge positive. I'm sorry, but that is a huge positive. You can look at some of those goals and be like, well, could he have been in a better position? Possibly. I think it goes 50-50. But it wasn't what Samsonov looked like against Columbus. It wasn't what mm -hmm. Samsonov looked like against Buffalo. He looked a lot more comfortable. He was obviously frustrated letting in that last goal, which really wasn't on him. If you look at that play, there was a defensive breakdown behind the net between Lilgren and McCabe. And then, I don't know, people were trying to block shots in front of the net. Went through bodies, and Samsonov was beat. But I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, he came out after, and he was happy that the fans were cheering him. I don't know if the fans were actually cheering him, uh, being honest about that or sarcastically. Probably was a bit of a Bronx cheer, but I think there was actually uh, a part of that fan base that were happy for Samsonov and backing him up in net. And it's just unfortunate that this team in front of him with the blended lines mm -hmm. couldn't put together 60 minutes to help out their guy. They left him out to dry once again, and that's unfortunate. But moving forward, moving to the back-to-back -back that's coming up between – they're going to play Vancouver on Saturday and, and the Kraken on Sunday. Right. Likely to see Samsonov. I think you probably feel a bit better now with Samsonov potentially playing that 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 back to back on Sunday against the Kraken based on this performance. Yeah, he definitely earned himself another start uh, on that Western uh, road swing, whether it's against Vancouver or against Seattle. I do think you go with Martin Jones, the Vancouver guy, to play Saturday uh, afternoon uh, in Vancouver, which is yeah. complete Bush League to me. But um, like you mentioned, that last goal, the game-winning goal by uh, Andrew Kopp, was not on Ilya Samsonov. Timothy Lilgren got, you know, turned the puck over behind the net, comes out in the front, and then apparently all the guys decided to dive this way, slide this way, and impede his vision to, on that shot. And um, look, Samsonov, he battled. And Sheldon Keefe talked about that post game where uh, he said that Sammy battled with the game. He wasn't stellar. He wasn't great. He was solid. And I think if that's an adjective to describe Samsonov game, Samsonov's game, excuse me, solid, uh, that's the right way to go about it. That's a win, right? Because like we mentioned, last time we saw him in net, he was shelled, he was beaten. Um, I think it's any small victory for a guy who's especially dealing with confidence issues, any small W you can take out of a performance. Yes, you may have lost the game, but there was individual small wins that he had. You know, he had a clean first period. Um, he, he looked good. He looked um, in control, he wasn't flopping, flailing around. He wasn't out of position a whole lot. So I think that's a win for him, and we, he does deserve his flowers. He does deserve another shot at a start. Um, the leash is still short, but he's got it's gotten a little bit longer, Albert. Yeah, I mean, listen, what did he do? He gave the Leafs good enough goaltending to win the game. They just failed yeah. him. But let's not let's not forget. Like this isn't this doesn't mean Samsonov is fixed. This doesn't mean no. he's going to start looking like Samson off from last year. Just go back earlier in the year against mm -hmm. Nashville where he posted a shutout where the team played really well in front of him. He followed that up 
with giving up four goals against the Islanders, and I'm pretty sure he was yanked in that game as well. So that can still happen, but he just looked a lot more calm, a lot better. He, he didn't look like he was really second-guessing himself. So from a body language point of view and how yeah. he looked, I thought he looked a lot better. Okay, let's get into the fire. Let's get let's get into the fire Keith stuff because mm -hmm. it's really important. It's something that Leafs Nation is talking about. It's hot. It's been hot for I think the past couple of weeks now. Mm -hmm. So this is where I'm at. So so people will call out the coach all the time. That's just how it goes in all sports mm -hmm. because that's really the only guy, the only person in the organization that you can replace. He's like the front of the line for that. Yeah. But what happens is you think about the coach and why he should go and why bringing in someone else is going to be an improvement, but then you end up forgetting about the players. This isn't mm -hmm. all on Sheldon Keith. This is also on the players. But it's a bad look for Sheldon Keith right now because he goes out of his way. He has been more than he has, I think, in his entire tenure at the Toronto Maple Leafs, has been calling them out more and more and more now. But the problem is the players aren't responding. And so when I see no response from the players, no response from your core four from the stars, that shows me two things. One, it's a lack of respect. And two, maybe he's losing the dressing room. I have no intel on that, and maybe that's a stretch. But if you're calling out players and they're not responding in the following games, that usually means it's not going in their heads. They're not listening to you. It's falling on deaf ears. And I think I that's a problem with Sheldon Keefe right now. I think you missed another you missed another um, scenario or um, possibility. The fact is, these guys in the core they're not built like that. They can't take criticism. You know, you always hear the old saying where you need to kick up the rear end or a pat on the back. These guys in the Leafs, they, if you kick, if if you show them and you confront them and you test them, what have they ever shown on the ice or off the ice that they're willing to stand up for themselves and push back? Never. Right, yeah, but it's not even just that. They're so sheltered and protected exactly. by the front office that you almost—they're you, they're cutting off Keith's balls. Exactly. Like well, look are. what happened, like with the Nylander situation against Colorado mm -hmm. after the game. Said Nylander was poor. That line sucked. I had to get. I had to move Nylander. What does he do instead of demoting Nylander? Yeah. Demoting him, he puts him on the first line with Martin and Matthews to get going. If he's been so bad, he's not playing so well. Why would you put him on the first line? And I think that's because they're so protected from Brent by by Brendan Shanahan and the rest of the organization that yeah. Keith can only do so much. And look, the Toronto Maple Leafs and that core have just been caught. We've talked about they coddle that core. They do whatever they want. They don't test them. They don't push them. They don't put them in uncomfortable positions, right? And I get it. We're in a such state in pro sports now, especially the NHL, where you want to do whatever it takes to keep your star players happy. You want to make sure that they, they want to be there, they feel comfortable, so you can retain them and you can keep selling jerseys, tickets, all that stuff. Um, But this is a game about winning, right? We These guys play the game to win. Yes, to collect a big fat paycheck, of course, but to win, to put banners up in the rafters, right? I look at a guy, again, Canucks bias here, but earlier on in this season, JT Miller took a couple stupid penalties against Nashville. I think it was a game in October or November. Rick Tockett benches him, doesn't play him. What happens then? JT Miller takes that. Apparently, they got on a big argument in the dressing room in the second intermission, but JT Miller takes that, harnesses that anger, goes out and scores a goal in the third period. Right. right. Have we ever seen a guy in the Toronto Maple Leafs do something like that, where a coach or somebody pushes it, pushes at him, or tries to push his buttons, and he responds? We saw him get go after Tyler Bertuzzi one time um, on the bench this season. Tyler Bertuzzi just straight tuned him out and did nothing about it. 
I'm not saying go attack your coach or push back, but show a little fight. Show some fire, Albert. Show some desire that, yo, who do you think you are talking to me? I'm William I'm William Bleepin' Nylander. I just signed an 11 million, $11.5 million uh, contract, and I'm going to show you why I'm worth every single penny that these guys are paying me. I'm Austin Matthews. I'm leading the league in goals, but I can show you that I can take it to another level. I'm Mitch Moore. Like, I do not understand how these guys cannot have such big egos, have such big contracts, have such big personalities, but can never push back when things are when when, when push comes to shove, right? When I look at this situation, Sheldon Keith, he's gonna be the scapegoat. Absolutely. You can't fire all, you can't trade all these guys. You can't release them. You can't cut them, but you can fire one coach, right? And it'll be easy to fire Sheldon Keefe and bring in whomever. Maybe it's a Craig Berube. But Albert, even if it is Craig Berube, we saw what he did in St. Louis at near the end of his tenure, just ripping his players in the media, just absolutely sewering them. You think that will fly in Toronto with these guys? Absolutely not. Do you think that Brendan Shanahan and Bradtree Living will ever bring in a coach that will push back at his players, especially after what happened with Mike Babcock with the whole Mitch Marner incident, right? That will never happen. They will bring in a, a coach similar to what the Edmonton Oilers did that is a friend or will be a more of a partner with their star players, not a guy that's going to hold them accountable, a guy that will just enable them to continue what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know who they're going to bring in. Um, it looks likely that, that it's probably going to happen. Mm -hmm. does firing key fix anything maybe in the short term there's a short term boost but yeah. at the end of the day like it's this team goes as far as their star players take them yeah. we see that every playoff we see that every game if matthews marner and nylander and Tavares and even morgan riley mm -hmm. aren't playing their best hockey this team isn't good enough to win i don't think a coach fixes that no. What's the big change that a coach is going to make? You still need to figure out the rest of your roster <laughs> for this season and next season. Those fixes need to be made. A coach can't do that. A coach can do some reorganization. And like I said, players are going to get a boost, but it's not really going to fix anything. It's it's temporary. So that's why I don't really see like going to a Barube or I've heard Joel Quenville's name thrown out there. I don't know how much that's actually going to change. No, but like, I don't know. I, I don't know where they go from here. It's not going to change, Albert. It's, it's it, not gonna, yeah. It's not going to change as long as as long as they're paying four players the money that they're paying them. It will never change, unfortunately. It, it's culture, right? We're um again going back to the NFL. We're talking about a team like the Dallas Cowboys, who put up again similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs, put up these yeah. big regular season numbers, big stats. You know, put their fan base up, but they don't have the culture and the the foundation that when the going gets tough, how do we bounce back? The Cowboys last night got down and then just rolled over and died, right? The Toronto Maple Leafs before have gone down in the face of adversity and mm. given up and quit. And that's not going to change until you bring in the right people that will change the culture, that will change the thought process, that will change the way you think about the game. That comes that starts with the players, that starts with the coaches, that starts with the front office. And that will never change until you build the right culture and the right. right culture about winning. And the Leafs don't have that. So for the for the Keefe Out Brigade and everyone who's also Marner Out Brigade, Brigade I think the best thing that could probably happen for those people mm. is that the Leafs do not make the playoffs. Keefe will lose his job. And then there'll be a lot of pressure Ooh. on Shanahan and Tree Living 
about whether or not they should sign Mitch Marner, re-sign Mitch Marner. Can you imagine if the Leafs don't make the playoffs? Well, this is okay. So you mentioned it how we were talking off air the other day about how I said maybe Keith loses his job over yeah. the next couple of weeks. This is what they got coming up, right? Before the before the break. They got Edmonton on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You you're assuming that the Leafs are going to go there and get slapped up, but we know how the Leafs go. They'll probably put together a pretty good performance. Mm-hmm. But let's just say they got Edmonton, Calgary on Thursday, Vancouver on Saturday. The Kraken, who've what riddled off nine, rattled off nine in a row. They're mm-hmm. playing well on Sunday. It's a back-to-back. And then they wrap up before the break with, with two games against Winnipeg, Wednesday night, Saturday night. I don't think that they end up firing Sheldon Keefe during the All-Star break because it's in Toronto. I don't think they want that kind of attention. But cu- coming out of that, they can be out of a playoff spot. And now you really have to look at your coach. People are going to be calling for a change. So I think mm-hmm. potentially just after the All-Star break, if they if this run here from now until the break doesn't go the way that they want it to go and they lose yeah. a lot more games than they win and they're out of a playoff spot, I think Sheldon Keith gets the can. This is a gauntlet right now because Edmonton's hottest team in hockey, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Calgary's playing better. You mentioned Seattle. Um, if they maybe muster up three wins in the next week and a half, right? Woo, Albert, I'm you know, telling so you right funny. now. Yeah. It's not looking good. No, knowing this Leaf team, though, right? Knowing this yeah. Leaf team, they're going to put together some good performances. All right, let's bring in our boy, Steven Sohoyas, to join us. So, Stevie, obviously, this being a Leafs podcast, this conversation today has been dominated by whether or not the Leafs should keep Keefe or fire Sheldon Keefe. Which side do you sit on and why? Well, honestly, I don't think it matters because firing him or keeping him doesn't solve your problem, which is the fact that you've built a roster in a way that's not going to win you titles. What we've learned over this last little stretch is that when Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, when these star players aren't going, we've found out once again that the rest of the roster isn't good enough. It just isn't good enough to win games. So what do you think is going to happen again come playoff time when opposing teams clamp down on Toronto's top players and you're looking for somewhere, someone along the rest of this roster to step up, they're not going to do it. Naturally, the way they've built their roster has sucked any balance out of it or any defensive depth out of the roster. The, the rest of the team, when it comes to the playoffs, will not match up well lines you know, two through four, three and four against the rest of their opponents, and they're going to lose. That's that's what's going to happen here with the Maple Leafs. It doesn't matter who's behind the bench. Mm-hmm. It could be you, me, or Justin at this point. <laughs> you hear that, Justin? Basically what we talked about, right? Like Absolutely. how much can actually change? Yeah, Stevie, I agree with you 1,000%. Um, I also touched on the fact that whoever you bring in, it's not going to change the culture um, unless they really decide to move some foundational pieces. Because the culture here, we talk about off air, but the, uh, I, t- I mentioned it. Last block, we were talking about off-air to the Cowboys. Very similar. Great regular season, a lot of star names, a lot of star players, but just not a winning culture within the organization. And I think that is the big key with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They just don't have no history of winning in the last 60 years or however many years it's been. Um, and that's that's got to change. And that's the only way it's going to change. Yeah, yeah and it's not... I'll probably continue. Go ahead, Stevie. Oh, sorry. It's not Keith's fault that the defense is not good. And that they have invested nothing in in goaltending. Like, you can't just Mm – you you have to invest in one or the other. You can't just not invest in both. And that's what the Leafs have done. They have Morgan Riley, who's a good defenseman, probably on a winning team at number two, playing number one. And everyone behind him has to slot up and above. 
They got Wall, who's a rookie goalie, a young goaltender, who's looked good when healthy, but he's hurt right now, and there's nothing behind him. Jones, a career backup 2-3 guy, and Samsonov, he's always been this, even going back to his days in Washington. Really nice highs, but super low lows. So you're not doing anybody a favor on the back end, and it's not Keith's fault. It, again, how many coaches you got to burn through? Same with the Cowboys. How many coaches you got to burn through until you realize, hey, maybe we just don't have a guy who can win a big game. And when you start beating up on these bad teams, like the Leafs have done recently against the Sharks and the Cowboys did this year against the, the Commanders and all that, <laughs> you're, you're just beating up on bad teams. When it comes a push comes to shove, the Leafs play the Avalanche, you go up 3 nothing, you blow the game. You get hemmed in your own period or in your own zone for two periods. It's really it's really sad because it's the same thing every year. Like, uh, why don't we shake things up? But it's the coach. It's always the coach, and that never seems to fix it. It's always the poor coach, man, that gets it. People seem to yeah. forget about the players, like I mentioned before, but the coach, he takes it. And listen, I, I said there's a there's a serious chance, and I truly believe this, that maybe the Leafs could struggle to make the playoffs based on the way that they're playing. Like, if Joseph Wall comes back, and he isn't what you expect him to be, which you shouldn't because he hasn't even played a full NHL regular season, and your defense is what it is, and your star players only show up when they really want to, there's a chance they don't make the playoffs. I mean, what? I know the Red Wings have a couple games in hand, but they're right there, right? They're right there right now. Heading into the All-Star yeah. break, you're, you're going to go through a hell of a stretch. I mean, you're playing the best teams in the NHL from now until the All-Star break, and we know when, when the pressure's on this Leafs team, when it's on this core four, they can't really perform, and the pressure might come super early. Forget about the playoffs. I'm talking about they might have to fight for their lives up until game number 82. It's scary times for Leafs fans. 100%. They've got to be worried because the, the Eastern Conference, there's like there's like no runaway team, in my opinion. You could oh. look even in the Western Conference. I feel the same way. Like There's no runaway favorite in the NHL this year. you just got a lot of really good teams. And you look at squads just sitting outside of playoff spots or on that bubble. I look at a team like Pittsburgh, who's played well this year and just hasn't gotten the results that they've wanted. you got a team, like you mentioned, the Red Wings, who have played well for stretches. They cooled off a bit after a hot start. But I think they're a pretty good team. Like I, I think Detroit has some depth and some intriguing upside with those young players that they can make a push too. So it, it's not a given. The playoffs are not a given for the Leafs. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, they do get there. But look, the goal for this team is to win a Stanley Cup. If you're wondering whether or not you're a playoff team, you've got big problems. <laughs> That's crazy that we're even talking about this. It's January 15th, and we're talking about how the Leafs might not make the playoffs. Okay, let's look at some of the cup odds right now. Uh, I think you'd be a crazy man to, to bet the Leafs at plus 1250 to win the cup over at North Star Bets. But you're right, Stevie. You called it. I mean, this is the first time in a long time where there isn't like a clear-cut consensus, consensus favorite to go all the way in either conference. I think you have maybe about eight to 10 teams who can realistically go on a run here, right? hundred percent. Right now you have the abs occupying the top spot. They're the only team under like 10 to one odds, but mm -hmm. I'm not laying that with the abs. I'm not going to bet Colorado to win. They've got too many questions when it comes to who's in net. Like Yorgiev, he leads the league and wins. Great. Like he hasn't played well. Statistically, the numbers aren't there for him. And you have a team that I, I do think really lacks still depth down the middle of the ice. If had different guys step up, like Ryan Johansson, who they've added and, and, and performed for short spurts, but not having a guy like Landeskog is a big loss. I know he's starting to skate, but I don't think we're going to get him back this year. 
Uh, and then you have uh, just not a whole lot behind that that top line that they have in Colorado, the Rantanen, the mm-hmm. McKinnons, Drew Ann. Like, again, he's another guy stepping up right now, but I'm not holding my breath on Jonathan Drew Ann being a consistent performer once the playoffs rolled around. So I don't think that they're necessarily – uh, the rightful odds-on favorite to win. If I had to, if I were making the odds, I would have the Rangers in that top spot. I know they're not playing their best hockey right now, but I think they've been the most consistent out of that top group of contenders. And uh, I know Justin's going to argue and say, "Hey, you know my my Canucks just whooped whooped those Rangers just like a week ago. They should be in the top spot." And hey, I, I'm interested in hearing his case or who Justin thinks should have that top. Well, spot. look, you you mentioned it, man. In a year where there's not a clear cut number one with a bullet or number two with a bullet um cop favorite why can't it be the canucks huh why can't it be like they're gonna make a push to get another top six forward reports are saying that it could be jake gensel out of pittsburgh kind of fits the jim rutherford patrick alvin motto bringing guys in from pittsburgh um who i said the oilers before the season and now look the oilers are rolling um, they're at what I think, uh, plus, I believe it's 11, I think 11 plus 1100 11, 11, right now. Right? Yep. Vegas. Yeah. Vegas is the defending cup champs. Ooh, there's questions with Vegas. Jack Eichel has been out. Um, Florida, Carolina, Toronto, LA, Winnipeg, New Jersey. There's all big question marks on each team. The Leafs are, we just ripped the Leafs this whole podcast about how they might not make the playoffs and somehow they still have better odds than the Canucks. What the hell is that? Right. Makes no sense to me. But um, in a in a season where you don't know who's going to win, why can't a team like the Canucks who have a number one with a bullet number one goalie, the guy who led the all star game in all votes in Thatcher Demko, JT Miller, Elias Pedersen, Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes. You got this. You got the upfront town. You got, you know, getting guys like Dakota Joshua on pace to score 20 goals this year. Philip Hronik's having a great year. Why can't the Canucks be the cup favorites? Why not? Because it's their first year really being good in a long time. I don't believe that. This Canucks team is legit, and they can go up against anybody in the Western Conference, and I think that there is a chance they can make it out. Your reply, Stevie. My reply? uh, Hey, again, I I take nothing (laughs) away from what the Canucks have done. They've received great goaltending. Their stars are performing. They they show up on a regular basis, mm-hmm. which is something Maple Leafs fans, you know, hey, mm-hmm. you're kind of wishing that yours would right now. But, again, I, I keep pointing back to these underlying numbers. And there's still lots of time for Vancouver to catch up in categories like expected goals for, scoring chances uh, percentage per 60. All There's still time for them to catch up. But if they make a big splash, uh, I can see it. But, that's my only my only cold feet with the Canucks is just that is that there's a there's a few of these underlying numbers that suggest let's not let's not get too over our skis with Vancouver. Hey, yeah, it's, it's hard to pick expectations. It, yeah, it's hard to pick a team right now. Let's not forget we still got half a season to go. We still got to hit the deadline. I think a lot of teams are going to look different after that deadline. Um, but one team that seems to continue to roll despite anything are the Florida Panthers. I think they're 12 to 1 over at North Star Bets. They're 9 and 1 in their last 10. If the playoffs started today, they'd play the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that's a buy into the second round essentially. Sorry Leafs fans, I had to take that little <laughs> dig. But that's just the way it's going to be. Do you see the Leafs beating the Panthers in the first round? Come on. But anyway, they got goaltending, they got scores, they play hard in the playoffs. I mean, they probably played as hard as the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs last year and that's why they got to the end there. And they had to squeak in. Now they're probably not going to have to squeak in at 12 to 1. Based on the way that they're playing, 
I think they're going to continue to rise up with those odds. Maybe it's a good time to jump on them, Stevie. What do you think? I can get on board with the Panthers. Like you said, they play that playoff style of hockey. They, you can see that game translating really well, and their offense is starting to come around. That was the big question mark at the beginning of the year. I was like, what happened to the goals? Kachuk was sitting on like five goals for the first yeah. month and a half, mm-hmm. two months of the season, and they were bottom 10, bottom 12 in goals per game. The offense is starting to find its footing. Reinhardt's having an exceptional year. For Haggy, too, not far behind him. Like it's, it's starting to click offensively for them. And you saw uh, uh, recently against a good Avalanche team about a week or two ago, they mm-hmm. outplayed them. They From start to finish, they played a really solid game, and that's a tough Colorado team to beat. So if you're going to put any one of those teams kind of in that bubble, like it's really the Avs, and then you kind of have a bunch of teams clustered between 10 to 1 and 12 to 1, I can get on board with the Panthers. Stevie, always a pleasure, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, that's it from us here at Homestand Leafs. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget, we drop new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yes, that's Homestand Leafs three times a week. And you can find us anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Five stars, please. That will make Justin a very happy man. Also, if you want to send in a question, either through an email or voice message, send them to Leafs at Homestand Sports. We'll read or play your questions, concerns, or even snide remarks on our Friday episodes. We'd love to hear from you. So once again, please, you can email us at leafs at homestandsports.com. For Justin Pooney, I'm Albert Vartanian. This has been Homestand Leafs.